your Property Network magazine, the UK's leading magazine for active property investors, presents your property podcast, giving you access to some of the UK's most successful and influential property investors and developers. They will share with you their successes, failures, strategies and tips. So whether you're an experienced property investor or just starting out, Join us every week to help you plan your path to financial freedom. So let's get started with your host, Nina Hirons. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Property Podcast with me, your host, Nina Hirons, and thanks for joining me. Okay, so starting anything new is often the beginning of the unknown, even for me starting these podcasts. And we sit and ponder how we do it, wonder how others have done it, we make excuses why we can't do it, because it definitely rings true for me. Well, starting in property is often venturing into the journey of the unknown. We start with little if any knowledge and feel our way using any possible resource we can learn as we go and teach us what we need to know. An example for me is I built the house that I live in. We built it from scratch with absolutely no experience. I learned on the job. It was incredibly scary. It was a really steep learning curve, um, but it really gave me the property bug. Others have a little bit more insight, having worked somewhere within the industry, as my guest did today, who, having spent 10 years working as an estate agent for one of the top three, now runs his own property company, Goliath Property Solutions. They specialise in finding off-market deals for investors using ethical methods and creative investment strategy. He also runs Goliath Sourcing Academy, but, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So it's my absolute pleasure pleasure to introduce the lovely Mark and very chatty. Mark Dunsmore. Hello. I'm going to go all quiet now, Nina, and I'll be really uh, hard to interview. <laughs> oh, we've been talking for ages. Come on, don't do this. I know. Um, hi, everybody. Hi. Um, basically, you know, we, we obviously have been talking prior to, prior to this, and uh, one of the things I absolutely love about the property industry, I mean, I mean, actually, there's loads of stuff I love about it, but primarily is that everyone is really honest and open and willing to help one another. You know, they share their story. And one of the big things, it seems to me that there's kind of no special requirement to make property work for you. You know, in my eyes, it appears it kind of for everybody. Um, and the more people I talk to, you know, everyone's got their kind of own different story. Um, and it also seems to me that everyone kind of has their eureka moment that kind of makes them go into property so mark let's kind of start at the very beginning and can you explain a little bit more about who you are and more about you before you got into property yeah no definitely so um my life has been one um that's been very interesting i suppose in the eyes of a a lot of people and i moved abroad when i was uh, very young uh, just over one year old i was born in scotland uh, believe it or not, accent doesn't uh, tell you anything about that. Um, but moved to Brazil when I was uh, when I was just over one, one and a half. Um, lived in Brazil, travelled around the world. Um, lived in uh, uh, Portugal. We moved back to the UK for a little bit, and then moved to Portugal. And I grew up in Portugal. Um, did the usual stuff. So went to school over there. Um, had a good time. Worked on beaches, but. Um, one of the big things that I sort of, you know, when you talk about property and your interest in property, I used to go around and view houses with my dad. So we used to, as we were moving around, I, I remember going and viewing houses with dad. Um, you know, we used to go into all sorts of houses. And I remember, you know, my memory's terrible, <laughs> and uh, especially from my, my younger days. But um, one thing that always stood out was was enjoying going around these different people's houses, speaking with the the agents, the sellers, going into empty houses, going into houses that were, you know, quite fancy in in my eyes. 
Um, so that was probably where I got my first taste of property. I went to boarding school in North Yorkshire, a place called Giggleswick. Um, I would say that Giggleswick at boarding school was probably the first time I really realized that I didn't like being told what to do. Uh, so I spent five years of my life really not liking teachers, um, but enjoying boarding school life. Uh, decided not to go to uni. Um, so um, something you said actually at the beginning, Nina, was really poignant to me was was the fact that anyone can do this. You know, that there's a lot of industries that that you know you need an education, you need to go and go to uni, get degrees go to graduate schemes but the beauty with property is that you can literally get into it whatever your level of education and um, which I think is a really exciting thing with the with the property industry and um, like I say I, I left school uh, didn't go to uni because I thought that uni was just going to be an extension of school so I thought I'm not going anywhere else to to be told what to to do uh, worked in a went back to Portugal where my mum and dad were living at the time worked in a bar uh, kind of realized that that wasn't a long-term career path uh, and then moved back to the UK and did the usual sort of for, for I would say what a lot of people do when they've not got um, degrees or uh, an idea as to what they want to do for a career I got into sales uh, did very well telesales field sales recruitment uh, and then I kind of got offered a – well, I got made redundant from a, a sales company um, and uh, was sort of made to really ever think about what I wanted to do for a career. And that's when I got into property properly, um, which was I think around about 2000, end of 2004, beginning of 2005. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I've, I've worked my way through the ranks. I've done lots of different jobs uh, within the property industry from – lettings property management maintenance management uh, sales i mean i've done it i've done it all uh, and then yeah 2014 set up goliath um got i spent a lot of my time working with investors during my property career so um discovered that um there was something called property sourcing and uh, i didn't know it was property sourcing at the time we just set up goliath uh, to get into the property industry and we kind of fumbled into the the sourcing world and as you say, the rest is the rest is history. We've got a very successful sourcing company now, um, sourcing all over the UK, and and an academy which you uh, which you touched on as well, which we teach. So it's it's good. It's been an exciting life. Nice. Um, okay, let you, you we're talking about sort of going back to the estate agent thing though. So going going back a little bit there. So kind of having lived and breathed a life a life as an estate agent. In your mm. opinion, what do you think makes for a successful a successful property agent? Um, so I would always say that the focus on the customer has got to be the biggest, um, the biggest thing that you can do well in, in property agency. So helping your, helping your client. Um, so from an estate agent's point of view, you always wanted to help your seller sell their property for the most amount possible in the least amount of time. Um, and transferring that into the property sourcing world, it's kind of different. So I know in the YPN article, it was um, it was uh, gamekeeper turned poacher, poacher turned gamekeeper. I can't remember which way around it was. Uh, and so now what we do is we obviously try and find the best possible deal for our investors. But what a lot of people still forget is that we're still working with sellers. Um, and it's the seller's needs that we need to help in order to find those investment deals. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and I think sometimes, you know, you, you get a lot of, of sources, unfortunately, that, that find sellers that are maybe in a situation where they're um, in a desperate situation. They don't really still think about the seller's needs. They're thinking more about their investment decisions when actually most property deals, you can get a mutually beneficial arrangement where an investor will still get a good deal, but the seller will also walk away happy. Mm. And that, to me, is the most important part of of the property sourcing world is that ethical um, customer service edge. Yeah. And I think that definitely rings true across the whole property industry, I think. Okay, cool. Um, you know, earlier you know, in the introduction, I talked about people's kind of eureka moment. Um, you know, everybody seems to have had one. So I'm just interested kind of what was yours and, you know, what made you just decide to leave probably at the time your very secure job as an estate agent, you mm. know, kind of into the unknown world of property. You know, that's that's quite a big jump and quite a big big decision to make. So, you know, what was it that kind of, you know, took you over? So, yeah, I mean, I suppose my property career ended um, when I was working, like you mentioned at the beginning, working for one of the big three. I was uh, an area manager, so I was looking after 11 offices in the north of England. So my passion for property had always been in the trenches. So, um, And when I say in the trenches, i dealing with sellers, with buyers, with landlords, with tenants. I, I really enjoyed the buzz of the property um, industry. And as an area manager, I lost that. Uh, you end up becoming the, um, it's a really sort of lonely and uh, not very pleasant place being an area manager because the staff, your staff don't like you because you're senior management and the senior management don't like you or they make you do the things that they don't want to do. <laughs> so it's a pretty nasty place to be in. That kind of made me start to fall out of love with the property industry. Mm. Um, and actually what, it, what I realized literally just at the point where I left was that it wasn't the property industry that I didn't like. It was, again, back to the what I mentioned a bit earlier on was I didn't like being told what to do. <laughs> so it, um, it ended up being that I sort of, I walked out, um, sort of handed my notice in and actually didn't really have a plan <laughs> when I left. <laughs> All I knew was that I was going to work for myself and I was going to work in property, um, and it kind of, uh, so my moment, uh, it, Eureka kind of makes it sound like a positive thing, but actually for me it was probably more of a negative thing where I didn't want to continue on this, um, I, I was in the career, I was on the career path, so I was in the job, I worked my way up through the ranks, I started as a trainee, I became a negotiator, then I became a senior negotiator, manager, branch manager, then up to area manager. And I was following the career path. Um, and what I realized at area management was that the career path wasn't actually what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something for myself where I had control of my own destiny. Um, and yeah, that's when Goliath was born. So, you know, it's really interesting, obviously, you know, you, you know, you didn't like being told what to do. And, you know, I think, I think it's really interesting that you've said, you know, it wasn't like your eureka moment as kind of a positive. It was almost a bit of a negative. So in terms of kind of making that transition and making that jump, you know, did you find it a lot harder than expected? You know, was it was it not all plain sailing then? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. It's it is really scary uh, leaving a well-paid position with a company with that consistent monthly income you know you you're, you're used to getting that paycheck at the end of the month 
Um, you know that on a certain day you're going to get all your bills paid. Um, you know, it, it, when that changes and you go into the world of, of self-employment, things, things are tough. You know, the, there's no denying it. The, there wasn't a massive cushion of finance behind us in terms of a, a, a pot of money to use. Um, and I'll admit at the beginning, there was a lot of uh, chasing the shiny penny syndrome. So you almost, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will resonate, you know, you're almost chasing money. So you're, you're looking for that next big thing that's going to replace your income that you've just left instantly. You know, you want something that's going to get you the amount that you were getting monthly from your job almost within weeks of leaving your job. Uh, so you spend a lot of time running around doing things and chasing things and not focusing. Um, and really when Goliath really started to take off and, and become as successful as it is today was when the focus came in. And actually you, you forget the mindset of being employed and focus more on the mindset of the, the sort of entrepreneurial self-employed. Uh, and that is a very difficult transition to make. Um, but you've got to be focused, you've got to be determined, you've got to be disciplined. And then once that all clicks and, and kicks into into um, place, then things start to, to work out. Mm. Yeah, um, go, that's obviously really interesting. And um, I know kind of, you know, we sort of touched on the sourcing thing. Um, you know, obviously it can be very attractive to a new investor who's got very little or no funds. And you know, it's a really good way of starting out. But, you know, it isn't for the faint-hearted, is it? You know, it's inc it's incredibly tough market to be in sourcing. So how do you manage your sourcing deals? You know, what comes first, the investor or the deal? How, how does that kind of work? So we now, um, so we've, we've done both. Uh, so when Goliath first started, when we first started Goliath, um, we found the deals first, and then we went and found the investor. Uh, and the reason for that, of course, is that when you've, when you first start out, you think, oh, how am I going to go and find investors? I'll need a deal. And the difficulty then is you uh, get what I call and what I, I say to my students is um, something called deal desperation. And what you'll do is you'll try and force deals out of situations that maybe aren't deals. Uh, and I'm sure everyone has probably seen the same deal flying around Facebook almost on a monthly basis sold by different sources and that is deal desperation and that is um, you know that's just by rushing and trying to trying to be um, you know not doing things properly and like you say sourcing is very difficult if you're going to do sourcing properly it's very difficult but once you get the momentum mm -hmm. it um, it does actually become a lot easier uh, but now what we do is we actually work the other way around. So we source to order. So we will work one-to-one -one with investors. Um, and the reason for that, of course, is that actually it's much easier to go into a negotiation for property if you already know you've got a buyer for those deals. And one of the big reasons for that is, of course, if we're helping someone in a um, sensitive situation, i.e. a seller that's maybe... Uh, you know, a divorce or a, a negative equity case where they need a solution quickly, there's nothing worse than not being able to deliver on your promises when you're sat in that house negotiating with that seller. Um, and sometimes that can affect your ability to, to negotiate a deal. So 
Um, my advice would be you can do it both ways, and we've done it both ways, so I can speak from experience. And actually, we personally find it easier to, to find the investor first. Um, you know, trying to send deals out to a list can sometimes be quite a long, drawn-out process with very little results, whereas if you've got the investor, sometimes it's much easier to go in and source those deals. Yeah. Very quickly, you just mentioned negative equity, and obviously most people would kind of go, you know, hide under a stone, run away. You mm. obviously don't then, you know, do you, do you see the positive in negative, negative equity then? Yeah, positive in the sense that we can create a solution for that person that's in negative equity. So, the the difficulty with a lot of properties um, at the moment is anything that was bought at the, you know right at the peak you know in two thousand seven um, end of two thousand seven there are um, a lot of places where they still haven't recovered enough but that doesn't necessarily mean that those sellers can hang on and wait for the market to recover so you're dealing with people that need a solution but. One of the solutions that they might, uh, well, the solution that a lot of people in negative equity think, the only solution they think is available to them is to sell the property at a loss and make up the difference. And of course, not many people have that sort of money to make up the difference if that's what they want to do. Whereas what we do is we offer a slightly different solution by way of uh, things such as a lease option, uh, for example. And it gets people out of a situation without actually ending up financially worse off. Um, so there are pros and cons of it for the seller, um, but ultimately if they're in a position where they need to move, uh, and this is the very big need rather than want, so if it's a need to move, that's when we can find them a solution. Yeah. You know, like, you know, sort of going back to my original thing, you know, properties out there for everybody, you know, that's a, it's a massive market, you know, there's obviously so many properties out there, you know, do you have kind of a set list of requirements or criteria for the properties you look for, or, you know, are you, you sort of quite open to kind of all, all of it really? Yeah, we're we're open. So um, the the very nature of the the marketing. So my uh, one of my business partners, Brad Lazarus, is an internet marketing genius. So he is um, he's all about systems, processes, but internet marketing. So we get a lot, all of our deals, and uh, the majority of our deals are off market deals. So they're they're properties that aren't on the market that the sellers have maybe not even thought about putting it on the market, um, and. Yeah, the, we kind of because we do that marketing. Uh, what that means is that we take on properties, all different types of properties in all different locations for all different types of strategies. Um, so we've got to be very open um, in order to be able to sort of deal with anything. Because if, there are investors out there that will take anything. You know, not anything. <laughs> that's the wrong. That's the wrong terminology. But as in any strategy, you know, there will be an investor for every type of strategy that we can create the deal mm. for. The most important for us is finding the right solution for that seller. Mm. So we're still acting on behalf of the seller. Uh, the difference is that if we act properly on behalf of the seller, we will always find good deals for the, the investors that we work with. Yeah. You, you know, obviously, you know, I want to talk about your marketing a little bit because obviously I think it's really safe to say that it's something that, you know, it's really important to you guys. You know, you've put a lot of time and thought into it. You've obviously, you know, bigged up your business partner, which is great. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about kind of your marketing then? You know, and in, and in terms of your corporate head, you know, how do you approach things? You know, is it very much like Goliath? Do you promote it very much as Mark or how, how does that work? So we do a variety um, of different uh, approaches. So some of the approaches that we use, um, so items such as direct mail, for example, we approach sellers both as 
an individual. So, you know, I'll approach them with a Mark Dunsmore, the investor, um, or we'll also approach uh, people on a um, on a corporate level. So we're approaching them as a company. It really depends on the type of property we're looking for, uh, at getting, the type of uh, you know avatar we call them. So that the the type of person that we're trying to to reach, and um, will depend on what sort of approach. A lot of people, you've got two different markets. You've got a market that of people that don't like dealing with corporate businesses. They don't like dealing with companies. They prefer dealing with individuals. And then there's the flip side of the people that feel more comfortable dealing with a company rather than an individual. Um, but what we're very careful to do is we are not, uh, we buy any homes for cash. We That's not us. We're not there to offer you 50% below market value. That's not our role. Our role is to help you find, as a seller, find the best solution. So, um, And in doing that, we have to approach our marketing from both angles. Yeah. And we're always split testing, you know, so the the really important part about marketing is is testing, 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 uh, because, you know, w- something that works today might not necessarily work tomorrow. And so you've just got to constantly be evolving with the marketplace, yeah. which is, you know, why we do so well is, is that we're constantly changing that. Yeah, God, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so, you know, going back to kind of, you know, sourcing these properties, do you tend to kind of source individual properties or do you source property portfolios or kind of both? Both, absolutely. So um, portfolios are great um, as a sourcing business. Uh, portfolios are fantastic because we can be very creative with them. So we can package them and sell them as a whole portfolio. Uh, we can split them and package them up as individual properties um, so it really all depends on the buyers that we have at the time and the seller's needs. Mm. Um, so again, I, I refer to the seller's needs so often, you know, I can feel myself doing it. But actually, that is the core of what we do is it really does depend on the on the seller. So mm. for a portfolio, if we can split it, um, you know, from a selfish point of view, that's great. Because if you split it, you if a portfolio of 10 properties, we'll get more selling each deal as 10 deals mm. than we would as, as a portfolio. Um but equally, if that owner, um, it, the best solution for them is actually to sell it as a whole unit, as a whole portfolio, then that's what we would do. Um, and individual properties, again, the nature of our marketing means that we will hit both. So we'll we'll deal with both. We pride ourselves on being able to, with the knowledge that I have of, of property, um, the beauty is that I can be very confident in dealing with almost every situation that we face and that's whether it's a a landlord whether it's a homeowner whether it's a um, you know probate an inherited property I've dealt with them all over the course of my career so now we can you know it's quite nice being on the other side where people are coming to you for advice as opposed to just coming to you to sell their house you know obviously you know obviously source lots and lots of deals but you know do you you keep any any for yourself and if you do you know what's the criteria for that yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be uh, we'd be silly not to really <laughs> when uh, when we're doing all the activities. So we're very specific at the moment. It has to be high cash flow. Um, so ultimately, our model is the as few houses as possible for the maximum cash flow as possible. Um, so we'd rather take a house that net cash flows fifteen hundred pounds a month than take three on that cash flow at five hundred pounds a month. Mm. So we're very fortunate in the nature of our business. We can cherry pick those. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we do. But 
our intention is not to it's not to create a huge portfolio and mm-hmm. um, our intention is to just create a nice enough portfolio to generate a very solid monthly net cash flow um, and then focus on other areas of our business okay so I just want to talk really quickly kind of a bit more about the nitty-gritty of a deal so how do you package your deals to investors then so packaging would involve um, so I'll take you from uh, so the process from we find and negotiate and agree a deal with a seller so what we will then do is and uh, there's two different ways so if, if there's a investor that we know is already interested in that specific type of deal uh, we will put together a brochure for that deal itself we'll send that brochure out to the um, to the the buyer the investor buyer uh, that brochure will include full property details almost like you would see on an estate agency brochure and yeah. um, you know the big a4 foldy thing yeah. <laughs> um, so we uh, so we send out a similar brochure but it's all electronic you know save the trees and all that <laughs> Um, so we send out that electronic brochure. On that electronic brochure, it will have the full property details, but it will also have the financials, the deal summary, so everything that that investor needs to know about that property deal. Uh, we make sure that the numbers are real, not made up. So um, you know, you get a lot of deals flying around where the rental valuation is so far off that you know I'll look at it and go, "There's no way a house will ever for that in that area." Um, you've got to be very real with the numbers. So we're very um, Cautious, not cautious. We err on the side of caution mm. with our numbers as opposed to erring on the side of hopefulness. Yeah. Um, so we put all those numbers together. Uh, and then once we send that brochure out, the investor will say yes, no. Uh, so once that um, investor comes back and says yes, which inevitably when we're sourcing to order more, enough, more than often they do, uh, we will then progress that deal. So we'll... Um, you know, move that deal forward. We'll work with the solicitors uh, where the solicitors involved, and uh, yeah, we we package that through. We get our fee at the end, so we don't charge anything until the deal completes, uh, and then we we get our fee at the end. So, in terms, of, you know, let's obviously very quickly talk about the fees. Then, so how much do you sell kind of each deal for then? So we have a sliding scale. So the the fee structure is based on the deal itself. So we charge a minimum fee of two k. Um, so £2,000 per deal is the minimum fee that we will charge. Uh, but then it depends on the um, the profit or the net cash flow of the deal. Uh, but usually the deal fees range between two and £5,000. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, we haven't talked about Goliath Sourcing Academy, and I think it's really important we do. So do you just want to kind of tell us a little bit more about that and kind of what you, know, what, what you do? Yeah, so Goliath Sourcing Academy was a, an obvious offshoot from Goliath Property Solutions. So uh, the Goliath Sourcing Academy is a very specific teaching um, of property sourcing. So we don't teach strategy, so we don't teach rent to rent, we don't teach service accommodation, we don't teach flips. Uh, what we teach is how to find the property deals and then how to package and sell those on if you want to, to make additional income from a fee. Um, so we've got a, a couple of courses. We've got a platinum program, which is the full process, and then we've got a mini course, which is uh, is twenty ways to source property. Um, so again, these have all been sort of devised from my time in agency. So when I was in a- agency, one of the things you do as a property agent is you try and steal other agents' properties. <laughs> so what we do in the sourcing academy is we teach the same ways, but tweaked to a sourcing point of view. So and um, the same strategies that we would have used in agency, we've adapted and, and now teach in the academy for uh, for property sourcing. 
Oh, interesting. Mark, I could talk to you for hours. We have been talking for hours. <laughs> have, um, yeah. yeah, but very, very quickly, if anyone's listening and they think, yeah, yeah, I'd really want to get in touch with Mark, what's the best way to do that? Uh, so uh, a number of different ways. Uh, so can connect with me on Facebook. I think it's mark.dunsmore1. Um, or you can get me uh, on my email address, which is mark at goliathpropertysolutions.com. Um, or again, if you just add me on Facebook and I'm, uh, I'll come back to you on Messenger. Uh, or you can visit our website. So again, from a property point of view, goliathpropertysolutions.com. From a sourcing point of view, if you want to learn more about the academy, it's goliathsourcingacademy.com. And actually on there, you can download a free 20 ways guide. So if, if people haven't got that 20 ways guide yet, there's a free PDF download on the goliathsourcingacademy.com website, which is 20 ways. So it'll literally 20 ways to source property deals. Fab. Mark, you're amazing. I love your story. And, you know, like I said at the very beginning, what I love about property is everyone's really open. You know, they share their stories. You know, your story's fantastic. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's a really natural kind of development into property. Um, I could talk to you for hours, so I really feel like I'm cutting you short. So um, hopefully we can chat again soon. Um, Absolutely. I'm sure, you know, there's lots, lots more to talk about. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Mark. And thanks thanks for having me, Nina. No problem. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed it. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Property Podcast. If you're looking to further your knowledge in property, why not download our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investing at www.yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash begin. It contains everything from how to choose the property strategy that's right for you through to how to raise funds when starting with none and how to eliminate risk and maximize profits. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and never miss an episode by subscribing to our weekly podcast. Until next week.